0: So Thanksgiving's coming up, very exciting. We have the Thanksgiving feast tonight. Uh, because of the Thanksgiving feast, if you're a member of Coast Bible Church, you get at least two Thanksgivings. Uh, I know a lot of you actually have more. At our home, we have a sort of a, a tradition now that's kind of picking up steam, where uh, I get to look forward to um, cooking with my mother-in-law. Like, she's, she's, a, she's a really good cook. I'm I'm okay. I, I I can. My food's edible. I've never killed anyone, and and be honest, in our house, uh, I pretty much do the cooking. Erin will bake cookies. Uh, she likes to make uh, eggs, but that's about it. And cereal. She has great cereal. She's good at that. Um, but my mother and law and I, we both love to cook. Typically, we don't cook together because there's just not enough uh, labor to you know to, to go around. But once a year, once a year, I'd really look forward to cooking with Jane. And there's a reason for that. The reason is is that Jane and I have a very we 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 think of cooking in the same way, and that is when we think about cooking, we're primarily interested in butter. We really we and, and okay, bacon grease as well. Yes, um, but with, like we we have the same philosophy. When we're cooking, it's like more is more, <laughs> you know. And uh, we and what's really fun is Thanksgiving because there's so many different uh, different dishes that are being made. We just it's like butter for days. And, like, so if we're making mashed potatoes, it'll be like, like, should we throw in another stick of butter? Oh, why not? It's once a year. Let's do it. It's fun. So just, and, I, and so, bef- so before Thanksgiving, I'll make sure I go to the store and get, you know, three, four pounds of butter just so that we're ready and we have what we need so that we're never in a situation where we're like, are we low on butter? Should we or should we not add butter? We can always just say yes because we know there's enough. There's going to be plenty of butter. Interestingly, um, well, we've been in a series called God's Generosity, and two weeks ago we saw that um, even in the creation and even in the, the so-called curse, that God provided um, enough. Like, it, it, there's enough for, for, for people. There's enough for humanity. And then we saw last week that Jesus, in his, in his uh, Sermon on the Plain, when he's uh, talking about uh, what, you know, the, li- the lilies of the field and the ravens and the air, he, he, he too came up with this, this notion, this belief that, that there's enough. And we're going to finish the series today. We're going to see that Paul has something very similar in mind when he thinks about generosity, when he thinks about giving. He, he comes from a notion that there's enough, that we're not going to run out of butter. And So let's, uh, let's read this text, a beautiful text uh, from 2 Corinthians. This is uh, the common English Bible version. One who's in slight edits here and there, but for the most part. What I mean is this. The one who sows a small number of seeds will also reap a small crop. And the one who sows a generous amount of seeds will also reap a generous crop. Everyone should give whatever they have decided in their heart. They shouldn't give with hesitation or because of pressure. God loves a cheerful giver. God has the power to provide you with more than enough of every kind of grace. That way, you'll always you'll have everything you need always, and in everything, to provide more than enough for every kind of good work. And Paul quotes uh, from the psalm. He says, as it is written, he scattered everywhere. He gave to the needy. His righteousness remains forever. The one who supplies seed for planting and bread for eating will supply and multiply your seed and will increase your crop, which is righteousness. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous in every way. Such generosity produces thanksgiving to God through us. Your ministry of the service to God's people isn't only meeting their needs, but it's also multiplying in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. They, will honor God. they will give honor to God for your obedience to your confession of Christ's gospel. They'll do this because this service provides evidence of your obedience and because of your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. They will also pray for you, and they will care deeply for you because of the outstanding grace that God has given to you. Thank God for his gifts that words can't describe. I just want to highlight a, a, a few things in this. As clearly, this is a text about giving. Paul's, Paul's uh, encouraging the Corinthian church to be generous, uh, to, to, to be generous, and we'll talk a little more about that. But first, I'd just like to, to, to highlight a, a couple of things um, in, in the text here. So at the very beginning, they will give honor to God. No, at well, the very beginning. What, what I mean is that the one who sows a, sows a small number of seeds will also be a small crop. Everyone should give whatever they have decided in their heart. They shouldn't give with hesitation or because of pressure. A couple of things. First, notice the, the sowing and reaping language. So, sow, sow, reap, reap. Paul's doing some farming language. And, and we're going to see that in a second. Second, notice, notice that, that, that there's this notion that everybody's got their own conscience, right? Their own heart, their own decision-making process. And what Paul wants is he doesn't want anybody to give because there's, like, outside pressure. He doesn't, want to give. he doesn't want anybody to give because they're hesitating. They're, they're like, oh, I don't, I, I'm not sure if I should be generous with this or not. If that's where you're at, Paul's like, don't do it. That's not what God wants. God wants people who can give generously. The question is, for most of us, it's how do you give in a way that's not a grind? How do you, how do you give in such a way that it doesn't feel like you're like, oh, I really I don't want to do this, but okay, I probably should. Or, I don't really want to do this, but people will look down on me if I don't. don't I mean, do you wonder if maybe that's the reason we have publicly pass the plate? You're sitting there and you're like, okay. I mean, maybe. We do have online giving. You can, so, so just so you're judging the person next to you because they never give anything, they may have an auto-debit, which is like the easiest. Fire and forget. It's the easy way to go. So don't judge them. They might, they might actually be giving. But why is it? Why is it that, that we do hesitate? Why is it that we, we do sometimes have to be pressured to give? And, and how can we move past that? Well, um, so last, I think it was last week, maybe two weeks ago, uh, I had been with the baby, Soren, all day. I have a, a child, Soren, he's uh, just over one. Then we've got Alice and Olivia, they're eight and six, uh, respectively. And I was tired of, of parenting, I was exhausted. Aaron had a late day at work. And so I told the girls, I said, um, I just want you to take Soren in the backyard uh, and just play with him, make sure he's safe and has fun, and then come check in with me in a couple hours. <laughs> yeah, okay, right. Because I, I know that's bad parenting now, but, dude, in the 80s, that's how, we all, that's how everyone did it. So it's not, it's not me, it's you that's wrong. Anyway... Seriously, if Erin had been there, she would have killed me. That's all right. She wasn't. Um, and so uh, I, I was reading or writing or something like that, and then I noticed that water was splashing against the window in the house, and I was like, oh, what's going on here? Uh, and I went outside, and, and yeah, sure enough, uh, the girls were just, like, they, they'd gotten the hose, and they'd gotten on full, and they were just spraying Soren. Like, and he, he thought it was great. He was like, oh, boy. Well, look at the water. Like, they put a fire hose right in his face. Like, UHF. Where Yankovic. Nobody? Okay. Um, if you think of, uh, if you think of, imagine, like, uh, giving, like, being water... Coming out of the hose, right? Well, when I was a kid and we were playing in the hose in the front yard, what we like to do, Scott and Jeff and I, we would like to uh, secretly, everyone's playing, there's water everywhere, and we're being terribly wasteful. Back then, California knew how to manage water, so it wasn't a problem. But now you can't do that, so if you do, you're a bad person. I'm a bad person. I get it. But we used to do this, and what would be fun, what would be to, to, to secretly go to the, the source of the water and then kink the hose, Right? You kink the hose. And then, because and kids are dumb, they're like, wait, the water, it stopped. And the goal was to get somebody to be like, where did it go? And then, <laughs> right in the eye. Well, I think the kink for us for giving is this sense that, you know, like the water's coming out of the hose. We're like, is, is there going to be enough? Where is it going to start to trickle? What if the butter runs out? Right. So I think I mean honestly for for us for generosity for giving is because we're you know for those of us who are paying attention to our finances we recognize that there's a limited amount that comes in. We all got to pay bills. We live in California, the most insane state in the well, close to the most insane state in the union. We're paying you know, five dollars a gallon for gas. Okay. We we recognize that like that like there there's a lot going out and we're wondering is is. Is there enough? And so we kink the hose. We start to be like, I, I'm not sure I'm ready to part with this. We start to feel like, well, really the only way I'm going to end up is if someone kind of like pressures me into doing it. That's the first thing in your note sheet. It's uh, that um, the, the giving is a grind. When you have a scarcity mindset. When you, you're not sure there's going to be enough. And, and it's a very reasonable thing to think, right? We live in a world where there's very often not enough. And, and there's some of us here who are like, Oh no, dude, we definitely ran out of butter. Oh no, dude, the water stopped coming out of the hose. There are some people here, and, and I'll have some things to say to you later. There's some people here who are like, I, I don't know if there's really going to be enough. Because there, ha- there isn't right now. Well, how does Paul think about it? Going back to the text, notice the first thing that he does is he's going to quote. So it says, as it is written, right? As it is written. he's quoting from Psalm 112. Psalm 112 is a psalm about a cheerful giver. So he's just said God loves a cheerful giver. And and then he references one of his favorite texts that's about cheerful giving. Uh, Remember, Paul doesn't have where his Bible is the Old Testament, Right, Paul doesn't have the New Testament. He's writing it. So he, he goes back and his Bible is the Old Testament. And so I'd like you just to, to look briefly at, at, at this text. This is Psalm 112. Notice uh, the, the, the quote here. He scattered everywhere. And so, uh, verse 9 in that text. He, uh, he has scattered everywhere. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forevermore. His horn shall be exalted with honor. That word scattered. He's scattered everywhere. Scattered. Well, what is it? Uh, Paul is uh, probably reading, um, he probably reads the, the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, um, and, and the word there that's getting used uh, for scattered can mean one of two things. It can either mean uh, when you're bowling and you get a strike, what happens to the pins? <laughs> that's a scatter, right? It can, uh, that, that's, that's one way that, that this word gets used. Another way it gets used is in agriculture. Scattering. Scattering seeds. I have a picture of a seed driver. You that seed driver? Ah, there it is. That's cool. This is uh, why the working man is is out of a job because what used to take like you know a hundred people now you just have one thing and these things now these seed drivers they're on GPS. They're they're totally automated. What this thing does is it goes, and you can see like the little those little lines at the back there. It, it furrows, makes furrows in the field, and not only does it make furrows in the field, it actually it, it drops a seed into each spot and then covers it up. And this thing's amazing, and what what they found is that uh, in modern farming, they found that there's like a a, a right distance between each seed um, in a line in order to avoid any like. Seeds smashing into each other, or not enough room to grow, things like that. What they what they, what happened was in the, uh, the Renaissance, and then in, when when science started getting involved in agriculture, they found that what's called direct planting is the best way to plant. Got a picture of direct planting or direct seeding. This is where you by hand by hand you go from one to the next to the next. Okay. And really good farmers would get really good at recognizing this seed needs to be so and so, f- such a distance from this seed and that, and that seed needs to be, you know, a little bit closer based on how big the crops are. But you, you, by hand, go one, 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 one. Um, and, and, and really the, the seed drivers now are just a mechanization. They're an automate, automation of that prac, of that practice. But in the ancient world, and before uh, agricultural sciences developed, seed planting looked more like this. And I have a p- picture from the, uh, from a Flemish painter, and uh, if you notice in the bottom right corner of that picture, there's a guy, and he's got a bag of seed, and he's going, and he's just. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. What's happened? Uh, the horses at the bottom are are dragging behind a furrow that's going and it's making grooves in in the ground, and and then this guy comes behind the grooves and just drops seed there. Now, typically what you would do is you would kind of follow the line and you would just... But notice that the image in the text is much different than that. The image in the text is he scattered everywhere. Right? And so the image of the text, the image of a cheerful giver is somebody who's got like so many bags of seeds he's just like dumping it over, and then he, he's there. this is where the field is, you know, where he, where he normally would, he's like, you know what, let's see if we can go even farther. And he goes out to the field over, it's, it's totally overgrown, there's no furrows at all. He doesn't care, he's just throwing seed as far as, why? Because he's got so much seed, he might as well. There's a shelf life on these seeds, and so he's got to get rid of as many as he can, and if it turns into a crop, great, and if it doesn't, that's okay too, he's got enough. So he's whoosh, 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 whoosh. He's not worried he's going to run out of butter. And so, what, what does he look like? Listen, this is the Psalm 112. Uh, next slide. What does he, what does he look like? Listen, listen to this language, right? This is the kind of guy who's never going to be moved, right? He'll be righteous and everlasting remembrance. He's not going to be afraid when bad news comes. The stock market crashes, and instead of running out you know, committing suicide, he's like, that's a bummer. It's going to be okay. His heart is ready to trust the Lord. His heart is established, grounded. He shall not fear. That's the kind of guy who can scatter everywhere. He's not afraid because he knows and believes that there's enough. And Paul makes this explicit. Uh, In the next slide, we'll go back to 2 Corinthians where Paul's just quoted from Psalm 112 and then he says, the one who supplies seed for planting, bread for eating, God, will supply and multiply your seed and will increase your crop. Righteousness. Remember here, seed doesn't literally mean seeds. He's talking about money. Right? Like money and gifts and resources. You know, What, what... The one who creates this stuff can keep multiplying it. You think you've got this bag and you're worried about what's going to happen when you get to the bottom of it. Dude, he's out there multiplying. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous in every way. Some of you are starting to get nervous. Whoa, whoa, where's this going? Don't worry, we've already taken up the offering. <laughs> but Paul does really believe. He, believe, he believes in, in, it's just a beautiful image, right, of God being like the ultimate farmer with just, just seeds, like, like buildings filled with seeds and so he just goes in and he just throws it everywhere. And whenever it, it feels like he's running low, he just goes back and gets more. And, and, and Paul's saying, that's you. That's your life. And if you live that way, if you believe that way, trust me, you're not going to hesitate. You're not going to need to feel pressured. Instead, you're going to look inside your heart and you'll be like, I can't wait to sprinkle these seeds around and see what God does with it. That's the next thing in your note sheets. Giving is a Joy. Giving is a joy when you have an abundance mindset. Abundance. A belief that, like we said for the last two weeks, the belief that God created this place and he created to have enough. Okay? And then Jesus came and, and he, was like, he was like, I believe that when the Father created, because I'm the second person that turned down to be there, that there is enough. This place is made to have enough. And if you believe that and, and you experience that, then giving becomes fun. You just get to see what awesome things happen. And if you don't, if you don't do this, then I will never get a private jet. Next slide. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a growing group of pastors. They're called the private jet pastors. And I desire deeply to be a member of the private jet pastors club. I'm just kidding, I don't I think that's garbage. I would say the names of those guys, but I don't want to give them any like I don't want you to click on their websites because they're bad people. They're terrible. Not good at all. Um, j- just Just notice. OK I want, So here, so here's the deal. You're, you're, you've been to church before. You're like, dang it, the leader guy's doing a giving sermon. He, he must need a, a new car, you know? <laughs> I get that, I do. Um, but I, I want you to notice something super interesting about this text. Okay, this is so fascinating. So, the, so Paul's been saying, hey, like cheerful giver, there's an abundance. And then he does this look, look at these pronouns that Paul's using. Your ministry of the service to God's people, they will give honor to God for your obedience, your confession. They will do this because the service provides evidence of your obedience and because of your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. They will also pray for you. They will care deeply for you because of the outstanding grace God has given to you. Paul, you're doing it wrong. Paul, where's the me? Paul, where's the... Where's the, the I need this. Give it to me. Paul, you're never going to get a private jet if this is how you encourage people to give. You may not know this, but this is, uh, Paul wrote this letter. He started the church in Corinth. Uh, he went back to Jerusalem. He, he, he found out that the Jerusalem church was really struggling. Jerusalem church uh, was just not doing great. Uh, there were a lot of poor, and, and, and the religious elites in Jerusalem were oppressing the church and preventing people from working and having stuff. And so Paul said, this is not going to stand. He's like, but great news, guys. The Gentiles, the pagans, the weirdos, they they believe in Jesus too. And, and I think that they can share with us. And so Paul goes on his second missionary journey. And what he does is he goes to all the churches that he founded. And he, and he writes letters and asks them to prepare a gift. Not for him. For the people in Jerusalem. And so he goes to the churches that he started and he comes and, and these Gentiles, these pagans, these dirty animal people, Have gathered resources that they want to send to the brothers and sisters in Christ they've never met, never will meet. Jews. I get it. You've been burned, you're a little skeptical. What about Peter Lee? What about Jekensia? I have a couple pictures here of Jakenzia and Peter Lee. Next slide, please. So maybe you're sitting here and you're like, ah... I'm not sure I'd buy giving to this church. Okay, maybe ten years ago, twelve years ago, Mike and Carrie Gibson—they used to be members of our church. Uh, they were adopting children from Haiti. Their hearts went out, and they started a, a nonprofit, Grongu. Um, and they've built. If you were here last week, Orphan Sunday, Doug and Jen did a wonderful presentation about uh, the current status. Of, of their ministry. They have a, a, bo- a home for boys and girls where they provide uh, food, education, uh, church, um, and safety uh, for orphans. This is uh, Jakenzia and Peter Lee. I, if you go on Grongu.org right now, you can look at their pictures. The reason I pulled them up is because Grongu right now is running at a deficit of three to $5,000 a month. Now, um, it may not seem like a, a huge amount for a, a, an, an orphan ministry, but, it, but it's real, and I can guarantee you they'd hate it. If they were here, they would hate that I'm saying this and telling you the truth, but it is the truth, that uh, the, that shortfall is being covered by the Gibsons personally each month. <laughs> can you believe that? Right now, uh, has she, they've raised $35. They need $200 a month to cover her. They've raised $35 a month. Uh, Peter Lee, <clears throat> they've raised nothing. I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. Here's what I'll say. You're skeptical. You're not into giving. You're not ready to make some commitments to Coast Bible Church. That's cool. I get that. I'm totally fine with that. But if you want to experience the joy of giving, then here are two people that you can give to. And what's really crazy is I talked to Mike, uh, you know, the the guy who started this thing, I, I talked to him, and, and he said, when, the, when, when things died down in Haiti, right now Haiti's a complete disaster. It's a basket case. Like, kids can't even go to school. It's, there's riots in the streets every day. When things settled down, uh, they're, they're, he's, he's ready and willing to do a, a trip um, for people here who have sponsored a kid. You can go meet your kid. Hang out with him. You can do it once, twice a year. You can have a real relationship with them. This is something that the the, the people in Corinth, they didn't have this opportunity. They were giving to the people in Jerusalem. They were never going to see them as long as they lived. But they knew they were there, and they knew that they shared Christ with these people. And so they gave generously. And, and what Paul told them, did you see, hear all the things Paul told them? He's like, when this happens, they're going to start giving thanks to God for you. They're going to start praying for you. You're going to start having a, 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 the Christian unity, a sharing with them that's going to take place because of your gift, because of your generosity. I don't want you to do this if you're hesitant. I don't want you to do this if you're shamed. I, I want you to do this because I want you to know the joy of sharing in Christian unity. God doesn't need this for me. He doesn't want something for you. He's got more seeds and he knows what to do with. God wants to do something for you. The elders in the finance committee are angry. They're like, but Tom, surely they should give to Coast too. Yes, yes, yes. But here's the deal. If you look right now, you look on the back of uh, our bulletin, you'll see that right now we've actually been really blessed this year. We're um, about $71,000 uh, in, in, the, in the black uh, as of, I think, October, November. Um, and, and I'm not sure what, what that all means. Uh, I'm kind of blown away by it. But I do know this. Uh, it, I, I, for a long time, I've been very desirous of, uh, of replacing these pews. Um, I really, really don't like them, and they're dangerous. I mean, they have metal sticking out of them. You're like, every time you sit down, you're rolling the dice on these things. And I, I mean, I know that this carpet, no, I can't. It's just awful. It looks bad. It's embarrassing a little bit for people who notice this stuff. They come and they're like, "Do you guys even care?" <laughs> like, well, sort of. Um, we do. We do. We do. We care. Uh, but here's the thing, so uh, it, you might wonder why, okay, so Tom was like, uh, I'm thinking, wow, we've got $71,000 in the black, this has been something that's on my heart, this has been something that's on the, the heart of our, uh, we have a design committee that's been thinking about trying to, maybe maybe God's stirring something up, and if so, why? Why would God do that? First, let's just say the last thing you your know, Jesus, God doesn't want something from you, God wants Christ, joyful Christian unity for you. I oh, Okay, and also you can go online and slash <laughs> Steve, you're fine, man. I'm sure you're doing great. I'm probably the problem here. I probably need to go back and Aaron and I gotta get serious. We have a Thanksgiving feast tonight. Uh, John, it's a couple slides back, but um, I, I took some pictures this morning of what it looks like. If you haven't been in the gym, it's it's, it's amazing. So can we... There it is. Yes, might be a little hard to see, uh, but I mean, you. Really, what I want you to do is, when we leave, I want you to go in there and just look around. And get ready. You're like, I'm not sure if I want to show up tonight. Go in there, and you'll be like, wow. The only thing is, yeah. there's only so much you can do though when you've got basketball hoops. So I was thinking. I was like, I just had this dream. I was like, what if? Next year, maybe the year after that, the Thanksgiving feast was right here in the sanctuary. What if we like, kind of redid things? And we were able to, like, now the elders and the finance manager are super mad because I didn't approve any of this with them. I don't care. I don't care. What if we had floors that didn't stain? What if we could, like, move our seating? What if we could turn this place into that? You see, the whole point of giving is to enjoy Christian unity. It's to have the joy of sharing with brothers and sisters and to know that their needs are met. And then to, to greet and be with them when it's possible. And for those who have a lot of resources and for those who have no resources, to be on a level playing field and just enjoying communion together, which is what exactly what's going to happen tonight. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. It doesn't matter if you're you know American or not American. It doesn't matter any. None of that matters. Here in Christ, we are one. And the point of giving is to ensure that that never changes. You're gonna walk in tonight. The lights will be down. I know that. I'm sure they've got all these things. Oh, by the way, if you were here yesterday and you were setting up for that, would you stand up? Who was here? Scott was here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Lucas and Kate. Yeah, Billy. Thank you. So I was watching. I was watching Soren. I figured Aaron would be gone for like an hour. She was gone for four hours setting that up. This event is only two hours long. You better get your butts there tonight and make it worth it. These people sweated and, and they, they, they bled for you. Uh, but, but why? Because they believe in it too. The joy of Christian unity. Maybe resources aren't what you have to give, but you can give and you can put your time in and your sweat and your tears. And you can be a part of bringing this people together, making a family out of strangers all gathered into Christ, all worshiping the same God, all redeemed by the same Savior. When you go in there, you're gonna you're, the last thing in your mind. Imagine, so you're gonna see it. There's gonna be two like lines of of just. There's like eight turkeys, yeah, eight turkeys, and there's hams too. I don't know how many of those. Probably not as many. There's gonna be just mountains of mashed potatoes. I'll be skiing down one. This is going to be... Apparently we're having sweet potatoes, which is stupid, but... Those of you who like sweet potatoes, what's wrong with you? They're a horrible, horrible... Legume? What is that? Vegetable? I don't know. There's going to be green bean cats. So, so you're going you're gonna to go, we're going to sing a couple songs, uh, and you're going to go, you're going to get a plate... And what's not going to happen is you're not going to be like, I better put some in my pocket for later just in case there's not enough. All right. Oh, geez, let's get some of that mashed potatoes down there. Okay, that way I won't run out. No one's going to do that because everybody here knows that tonight there will be enough. There's going to be more than enough. And God's saying, that's how it is with your resources too. You're not going to run out of butter. Let's pray. Gracious God, we, um, we ask you to give us the eyes of faith, to believe um, what seems impossible, that there really is enough, that you're abundant, and that you provide. And open us up in the eyes of faith to believe, too, that that you want us to give not because you need it, but because you can open up our hearts and help us to enjoy Christian unity so that the ones who don't have enough do. That they are, are brought into the family as equals. That we can enjoy the benefits and the And the love that comes from sharing and knowing that what we share is increasing life and health and peace. Join your spirit with those around us. God, I thank you for our big givers. I thank you for those who are generous here. The choir I'm preaching to, I thank you for them and thank you for their open hearts and their faith. God, I pray that you'll work on the hearts of those of us who are just a little bit not sure about being open-handed and, and being free with how we give. And God, for those who who feel like the butter has run out, God, I just I pray that um, in this place and in this family that, that they get provided for again and again and again, and that they they see that that we're not going to let anyone s- uh, slip through the cracks because you God, you don't let anyone slip through the cracks. Bless our feast tonight. Bless our brothers and sisters in Haiti, and all the things. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.